Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Sunday Night Breakdown. Daniel Routledge and Dave Forrester with you looking back over what was a relatively quiet week in the British Basketball League this week. Just one midweek game. So let's start there on Wednesday night. Uh, Worcester Wolves 88, Sheffield Sharks uh, 72. Uh, and really um, fascinating one. This Wolves seem to have flipped a switch now. They they seem to have really hit their stride. That that Those two games against Leicester, one they uh, lost on the buzzer, one they won on the buzzer, uh, has really given them uh, a momentum shift. And we really saw in this game, they, they were pretty dominant. Yeah, um, they kind of reached the point with their lineup that they're all used to playing with each other. Mm. And it's probably five or six games it takes. So going down to six or seven guys is a problem to start with because you're trying to figure out how to do it and the coaches trying to figure out how to play. But then as the players get more and more familiar with it, it would actually be more difficult for them to actually introduce an eighth and a ninth into it because now the guards are really comfortable with each other. Mm. And I can take you, if I take you back 20 years, right? This is a test, right? To, to Brentwood. Yeah. And Rod Brown. Jason Kimbra, Rod Brown, and... Uh, uh, Come on. Some, um, Come on. Rashad yeah, Johnson. Good. Rashad Johnson. Yeah, there you go. Rashad Johnson. Three guys, three six-foot-one guards, six-two guards, played for Leopard with a undersized athletic four, Enrico Alderson, and yeah. Jordan Williams is doing the same for Worcester. It is like going back in time because Bownecht, Kimball, and Anderson are just so so much more comfortable with each other. And then when they need a break, he doesn't go any bigger, he just puts Elan in. Mm. To kind of spell the other guys. Um, and what that means is that they have a, they have a system of, of, of play. They have Parks who's playing really, really hard, mm. which means he's given them a ton of effort and he's given them some good finishing around the rim. Jordan Williams is actually, you know, really needs to be praised because he's kind of stepped back a little bit to create a little bit of space, be smart, make the right plays. And um, suddenly they look like a formidable unit. And the new guy, Burns, is a kind of coming in, but Matt's doing a good job of integrating him relatively um, slowly and, play, and seeing how he fits in. But he seems to be able to shoot. He seems able to communicate. Uh, and so he's going to help them as well. Um, so, you know, it's all you know, really positive for him because what we, what we know is that all those three guards can score. Yeah. Every single well, I- they can yeah, Anderson Anderson had 22 points, eight assists off the bench, but in 30 minutes. So it's not really off the 31 minutes almost as yeah. well. Not really, but a plus 22 as well. Impressive. Yeah, yeah. Sheffield just, they look just out of sorts, really. They just um, shooting, particularly yeah, well, Retino and Lewis were both three of 11 from the floor, one of six from three point shooting. And that really hurt them. They couldn't get anything yeah, consistently Retino's, going. Yeah, Retino's kind of hit a wall. Uh, but the other thing is Sheffield were coming off some big wins. You know, they, they played, um, they beat Newcastle twice in Newcastle in, in a week. Mm. I mean, that's, you know, that's a, a big matchup because they play each other a lot, those teams. And yeah. coming off two wins like that, you all kind of feel good about yourself, but there's always the next game around the corner. And um, they got a little bit out of coke, but they are so um, dependent on Nichols and also on Lillard's temperament. Mm. well he he got disqualified out of this game it was an actual ejection rather than he got a technical for the fifth but he also got thrown out as well yeah and and, you know Atiba got thrown out as well yeah you have to say um 
you have to say that and he's not the first person in this conversation to have been thrown out at Worcester, by the way. Mm. Um, but you, you have to say that they lost their discipline a little bit, you know. Mm. And um, and that wasn't that was out of frustration. It wasn't they weren't losing it. They weren't losing a twenty three point game because of the refs. Mm. It was because no. the Tebow was frustrated with his team, and then you get frustrated with calls. Mm. And then unfortunately, Lillard does something which is going to disqualify it. If he's disqualified, he misses a game. Yeah. Um, so he's going to lose a game because he couldn't keep his mouth shut after he being fouled yeah. out. And that's yeah. a lesson he's going to have to learn. And that, um, that everything has ramifications. And sometimes you just got to walk off, take your defeat on the chin, and get to the next game. Because those guys have been playing really well. So there mm. no, that happens once in a while. Yeah. You play really well, you win a ton of games, and then um, you, you have a letdown and your team jumps on you because they're playing really well because they're in their rhythm. Mm. And um, they didn't ride with it very well, unfortunately. No, let's uh, let's move on to uh, Friday night then and start up in Cheshire where the Phoenix pulled off another uh, upset uh, against the top of the table team, beating the Leicester Riders 93-91. to And Leicester had started this game really well. Uh, Lee looked a, a bit back to his old self after that groin injury and Anderson Washington hitting threes, Crandall a couple of scores and Leicester were up 15 early in the second quarter. Yeah, I don't. I still don't think Lee's absolutely right. I know what mm. you're saying. I still, I, you know, I still just looking at him. He, he, he may be 70 percent. He's gutting it through. He just didn't look quite as mobile as he had been. But nevertheless, no. I mean, again, Leicester's starting lineup. Leicester's starting lineup is hurting teams. It's mm. just destroying teams now, um, primarily through Crandall and Nelson Henry. And then when Corey Johnson is on, then mm. he, he becomes that that third wheel. Um, and uh, getting off to great starts. Um, it's all out of the half-court offence, though. Mm. So they're not getting as much out of transition, certainly not getting money, not getting as much off turnovers as they have in the past. When, you, when you're in a half-court offence and you're relying on your half-court execution, you have to hope that the other team is also not executing well in the half-court because then it becomes a question as to who makes shots and who misses shots. And um, Leicester struggled a little bit with their bench. Fraser struggled a little bit to finish. We've had that conversation before. Um, Falzon didn't play much. And obviously the other thing for Leicester is that they're integrating Heron. Mm. And Heron, it's not easy integrating him because actually he's he's a two-position player. He plays the two and he plays the three. So when Crandall and Washington are on the court, Rob's playing Heron at the three. Mm. Um, And it's the same. It's still a wing, so you're still in the system. But you're playing with different different players. But at the starting lineup, he's playing at the two, and Corey Johnson's at the three. Mm-hmm. So he's got a lot to assimilate, you know, in a relatively short period of time against teams who've been playing together for a number of months, in a system which has been running like clockwork for a number mm-hmm. of months. So that is there is going to be a drop off there. It'd be absolutely in, you know incomprehensible if there wasn't a drop off. We're losing a guy who understands everything and bringing in a guy who doesn't understand anything, yeah, yeah. no matter how talented he is. Um, so this is a good thing with Worcester. You know, in theory, you look at Leicester, for instance, Leicester's lineup, and you think, well, this is still, it's still, a, you know, they've all played together, they all know the stuff, they're still really deep. But they're introducing a guy who hasn't played and who's now playing 20 to 25 minutes a game, whereas mm. Worcester have got seven games in a row playing the same players. Mm. You know, and that really does give you, a, it's almost, it's harder bringing players in than it is losing players. Um, so that that kind of you know just impacts a little bit about their, their their fluidity as well. And then Cheshire are the kind of team who we've seen in the BBL so many times who have dynamic guards. Yeah. 
and dynamic guards can bring you back into a basketball game. And if you're stretch four, Jalen Hayes, we've mm-hmm. talked about again before, if he is on, and he is a matchup problem for everybody because of the skill set he has, then Cheshire are going to be in every single basketball game they play. So they came back in the second quarter, and I think it was virtually tied it, at it, halftime. Yeah, it was, it was, it was tied at halftime. Hayes, Hayes was uh, the key, key factor in that, as you say, a 12-2 run. It was 42 apiece at halftime swung back and forward in the in the third quarter and then they made a bit of a run with Ross hitting five points Cheshire opened up a a 76-69 lead with 625 to go and then Leicester responded um, with uh, nine points in a row to 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 take the lead and then it comes down to you know who can make plays at the end yeah there was lots I mean there was lots of things in the fourth around that fourth quarter it was a really interesting really interesting game to watch because there was um Firstly, Cheshire won the minutes when Crandall was off the court. Crandall yeah. sat down around the third quarter break. I think he was plus seven in the game or plus eight. Mm. And, you know, Cheshire won by one. You know, so Cheshire won those minutes by seven or eight points. And we've said previously, you have to win those minutes. Um, that's despite Connor making a three on the buzzer at the mm. end of the third quarter. Um, then Cheshire scored 30 points in the fourth quarter. Mm. You know, that, that is a, a significant amount of points to score against a team who's looking to win the league because teams who generally win the league generally are not about their offence at the end. It's always about the defence at the end. Or are they going to shut you down? And um, Leicester really couldn't shut Cheshire down. Mm-hmm. And in relation to matchups, there was, it, there was some interesting stuff going on because um, at one point, Ben went to um, playing the two big guys together, Matthew Bryan and Jimbo Lowell in the fourth quarter, and Jalen Hayes was at the three. And he, he did that. He tried it a little bit against Newcastle, but not so much the week before. But he did that in order to obtain a mismatch for Jalen Hayes. And he went down low to Jalen Hayes against, at that point, I think, Corey Johnson. Now, that then gave Rob a decision to make because Rob ended up with um, Johnson not on the court for most of the, the fourth quarter. And he was kind of looking at Jamel Anderson to guard Hayes at times or um, Heron, the stronger guy, to guard Hayes. So, so, so he's adjusting to that. Now, Corey Johnson's had a good game. He's made five threes. But offensively, I think Robert, what Rob understood was that offense wasn't going to win that game. You needed mm. stops. Yeah, and then finally, so Corey Johnson is coming back in the game near the end um, and to give them some offense because they're in a scoring race by then. But then the Cheshire guards get off. Mm. And particularly McCall and Ross start finding each other. And a couple of times, Rob even went to a, a zone and McCall shot them out of that zone as well. So you get to that point with a minute to go and the last minute is a story in itself. Yeah. Um, so uh, Ross and McCall had made some uh, made some shots. Johnson hits a three to cut it to one uh, point game, 88-87. Uh, Ross is fouled. He makes uh, some free throws. Uh, 18 seconds to go. Gino gets fouled and he makes two free throws 16 seconds to go. And then at that point, uh, um, Ben Thomas chose to advance the ball uh, rather than take the full shot clock. Now, there's only two seconds in it and you know a foul is coming because you're up one anyway. Uh, so so it kind of makes sense in, in that regard. Uh, but the thing that he was trying to avoid was the turnover and they got a five-second violation. Yeah, um, a few things. I mean, once they were up four, um, Ross made the, the, the mistake of doubling down on Nelson Henry and he kicked it out to Johnson. And Johnson was three for four feet outside the three-point line, but it doesn't matter, mm. you know? Nelson, you're up four. Um, Nelson Henry makes a two 
you're good with that. You know, the worst mm. case is that you're up to with the basketball. When you're up in two possession game in the last 45 seconds, you can't be giving threes. It just changes the whole dynamic of the, mm. of the game. So that was a mistake, allowing uh, doubling down too far, helping off Nelson Henry, smart pass and made the right decision. Generally does make the right decision, kicked it back to Johnson. So Johnson, so but they have to foul because we're in the last 25 seconds. So that's mm. a two, then you're happy because you're fouling much too, you still it's a two possession game. Um, they foul and they swap foul shots. So Ross makes what Ross makes two, and they're up four with 18 seconds to go. Mm. And then, as you say, then Matthew Brian Amenin commits a ridiculous foul, mm. an absolutely ridiculous foul on Crandall, 65 feet from the basket, when he needs to be back in the paint, defending the paint and defending the penetration. Mm. And that gives them gives less less than two free points with the clock on the line, puts more pressure on his with the clock not moving, puts mm. more pressure on his guards. And at that point, that's when Ben calls the, the timeout. So they're at one, Ben calls the timeout. Now I hear what you say about I understand why he'd advance the ball. I don't. Um, I don't think you do. And the reason I think that is because they did this last year, Cheshire, on a couple of occasions. And on a couple of occasions they couldn't get the basketball in bounds. Mm. The advantage that you have if you take the ball out on the baseline, is you can run the baseline. Mm. They've just scored. And generally, I mean, when I was on the when I was on the bench, I tried not to take timeouts in those circumstances at all. Because if you've got a smart player, he's going to get the basketball and throw it in bounds before anybody realizes. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's almost a time where you're actually looking to see how are my guys switched on before you turn the table and call timeout. Because if they're switched on, you let them go and get the ball in bounds. Now, obviously, the downside is you, if you're going to turn it over, you don't want to turn it over under your own basket. Yeah. So that's the advantage of doing it. But the difficulty in putting the ball in from the sideline is that you have half a court to work with. Mm. Um, sorry, you have a quarter of the court, to, a quarter of the full court, because you don't want to throw it across court to the other side because that, those passes can get picked off. Um, but you can't throw it backwards primarily much because of where the ball's inbound. It's a half-court mm. violation. So you're left with... Um, what, 42 feet by 12 feet of or mm. 15 feet of basketball court to try and have 10, nine players in to get the basketball in. And we've seen it happening recently. It happened with Sheffield. Yeah, Sheffield, yeah. Haven't been able to get the ball in bounds. So I've, I don't think I would have taken the time out and I certainly wouldn't have advanced the ball. And incidentally, I know we'll get to this later, but Ben didn't do that tonight. No, he didn't. Ben took the time when, when he took a couple time extra tonight, seconds, but yeah, he took it at the baseline, mm. you know. And I think that's that's the way to go going forward, particularly when you're in a foul situation, because the worst thing, the only thing that can happen, is um, you turn the ball over. Mm. And we got burned by that in a cup quarter final against Cheshire yeah. ourselves. Yeah, we yeah. Get the ball down from the sideline, and um, OJ made a layup on the buzzer and knocked us out on the stadium. Yeah. So yeah. So anyway, he yeah. So they get the turnover, and now now Leicester have the ball, and again, um, the Cheshire defend this quite well. They defend Crandall's pick and roll quite well. They force him to rotate the ball out to Lee. Lee penetrates to the middle, pulls up for a tough fifteen foot jump shot. Matthew Bryan, I mean, fouls him. Mm-hmm. Does foul him? They call it on Jalen Hayes. Quite yeah. no, was, no clue. Nowhere near. He's nowhere near, and not only that, he ran to within uh, Matthew Bryan. I mean, ran to within three feet of the ref after it had been called. Yeah, Again, ran to the table. He's literally right in front of it. So you know how how that got. You know, that, that, everything was getting a bit scrambled by then, and um, and um, Lee, you know, does his job, knocks down two shots, and this is why I don't like calling the timeout as much because. 
I think there's about six seconds left. There is six, yeah, yeah. Six seconds left. And um, Rob has Leicester set up to deny Ross the ball. If you look at it, um, Jamel Anderson is on the inbounds and Gino Crandell is face guarding Ross at half. Like what that means is he's turned facing the other way, away from the ball, facing the player. So so whichever way Ross goes, he he can move with him and prevent him getting the basketball. And that's smart. You don't want Ross catching the ball. But what it does mean is that when McCaw gets a ball and is able to drive hard, which he was, um, everybody is in kind of a bit of a, a tizzy. They're in a bit of a scramble mode because Jamel Anderson is having to run back 94 feet to get into some form of help position. So he's running mm. back and his man is running forwards. Um, you have... I think it was Matthew Bryan cutting to the basket. And what you don't have is Leicester set up in any real kind of half-court defences system. Mm. So what happens is as Matthew, as McCaw penetrates hard to the middle, Matthew um, Bryan cuts the basket. Gino helps inside to um, probably... Stop the I ball, think, basically. Stop the ball and maybe yeah. take away Matthew Bryan, which mm. again is the smart basketball play. But McCall is good enough to make the pass and then the ball gets to the guy you do want to have the ball at mm. the end. Yeah. You know, so the strategy on Leicester, I think, was really smart. But it just goes to show that, you know, basketball is chaos. So yeah. chaos yeah. happens. Yeah. You know, you have as much strategy as you want. Yeah. But, you know, takes one step closer to McCall than he need, than he, than he, than he would want to looking at it again. Yeah. Entirely understandably. And suddenly, a good pass, a challenge shot because he got yeah. he got back. To him. He, he got, got back, yeah. yeah. It's good, and that's the game. Yeah. So um, I thought Cheshire did their best to lose the game. You know, mm. dumb fouls, advancing the ball, not getting it in bounds. Leicester scored on every possession down, mm. but the three. But sometimes players make plays. You know, and mm. Ross had what twenty nine points in that game. Yeah, he did. Yeah, you know, a lot of them in the fourth quarter as well. You know, and you have to make shots to beat. Yeah, you have to make shots to beat to beat those Leicester guys because they're not mm. going to commit silly fouls. They're not going to beat themselves. And those guys made no shots to beat them. No, Leicester fourteen and three in the league, and all three defeats have come to buzzer beating shots. So they are the bounce of the ball away from seventeen and zero. If you look at it like I that, I don't even think. Um, even if you go back to the cup, um, I don't think they've lost a game in which they haven't been in it with a minute to go. Mm. You know, I mean, the, the cup semi-final. Yeah, five. yeah. I think London away in the in the cup pool stages, they were behind. Yeah, that was seven. That was a scoring race. It was seven yeah. or eight in that game. Yeah, but yeah, even yeah. so, you but, know, yeah. you don't. You, they've not come. That, that's why they're the, at the moment. That's still the team to beat mm. because they're consistently in every game. Mm. And eventually, you know, they've won a couple of games on buzzer beaters as well. Yeah, they have. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, and, and then the end, you know that that variance happens. And when you get down to the you know the last minute of a game, then in theory, it should just be a question of win some, lose some. Yeah. If everybody's doing what they're meant to do, you know, to, yeah. to, to, to bounce the ball. Um, but the fact that they're always in the games is what separates them from everybody at the moment. Mm. So let's move on to uh, the next game. Newcastle Eagles 72, uh, Plymouth Raiders 85. And, uh, well, a big decision made by Jeff King to use the the, the permit to bring in an overseas uh, colour yeah. commentator and get rid of the local boy. Controversial yeah. there. 
I got the call on Thursday night, you know, and I begged and I, and I borrowed and I, I offered, you know, bribes and, and whatever. But apparently, a, you know, a, a professional player who's been the best player in the WBBL for God knows how many years yeah. is far more qualified than me. Yeah. I'm not sure I can really argue about that. No. She was um, she was very good, actually. Very she insane. was actually very good. And, and of course, I was sitting there listening, hoping for her to fail. <laughs> but, uh, but no, congratulations, Miss Garel, you got the job. And I think Mr. Elder can be back soon anyway. So, yeah. anyway, so I'm sure that they, they can they can have he me pulls, twice. He season. pulls rank over everybody. Yeah, they can have me twice a season, you know, not too yeah. much of a good game. Let's get into the game then. No Gordon, no Ashley Hamilton uh for the Raiders. Eagles get up seven in the in the second quarter. Uh, comes back to to level at 28 uh, apiece. And then it's 39-33 with five to play. And the Raiders um, hit 12 in a row uh, to lead by six. And it was at that point, now bear in mind, I'm watching it back, I already know what the outcome is. But it was at that point that I started to worry because to me, Newcastle are a team that have done really well in recent weeks in the first half and not been able to sustain. So getting behind in that situation it was the point at which I thought all oh, Raiders are really on top here. Yeah, they, they, they asserted dominance um, in that end of the second quarter. And part of it was um, their, their physicality on defence. Um, again, teams are now figured out that if you throw, you have to throw different long bodies at, on Fletcher. In particular, you know, London did it with Dirk Williams and, and the, um, the Plymouth guys as well, you know, really, really loaded up on him. Um, and then... Newcastle played the, virtually the whole game with, with two big guys in the game, which meant that you have, you know, Defoe having to basically chase Will Neighbour around, mm. um, which is tough for Darius, and also play big minutes. And then, notwithstanding all of that, yeah, um, you know, they got, Newcastle got off to a reasonable start. They kind of hit the Plymouth bench a bit around the first quarter break, at the beginning of the second quarter. Plymouth bench is still not probably where PJ would like it to be. You know, they, they came on, but he didn't have them on for long. And it was when the starters came back in. The interesting, the interesting stat on that one that I, that I saw is there wasn't a lot off the bench if you look at, at the numbers. But if you look at the plus minus figures, all the starters were at least six plus 16 or more. Yes. Yeah, which says, you know, that the Newcastle's run came against probably the, the Raiders' second string mm. um, at the beginning of the second quarter. And what then happened was... Um, Fletcher picked up his second foul with seven minutes to go. He played the whole game up until that point. And he has created so much gravity for Newcastle because the way teams are now guarding him, he, he gives the, the others opportunities to, um, to attack when he's on the floor. And um, it's always a decision of the coach, what do you do with a guy on two fouls in the first half? You know, is it, you know, do you sit him down for the whole time? Do you look at the game? How do you, how do you play it? Um, because that's the time that the Plymouth starters are coming back. And what happened was both teams went particularly cold. Mm. You know, it was a 12, 12 over run, but it was a 12 over run over about six minutes. Five, five, it six minutes. Five yeah. and a half minutes. Yeah. It wasn't the same thing. Both teams went cold. Um, I think Newcastle probably had eight or nine possessions where they really didn't get much good. And to the point whereby, um, Fletcher had to come back in with a minute to go, and at that yeah. point, or a minute 30 to go, and at that point, he's probably cold, and he's probably thinking, I'm not going to be playing until the second half, mm. and too late to arrest the run, and then suddenly it becomes, a, I think, a 6 or run to end the half. So Plymouth yeah. won the end of quarters and won the end of halves, and um, some of, and at that point as well, you know, Newcastle's guards and Defoe 
in particular, have played very heavy minutes. Mm. So you then get in the third quarter just kind of a, a gradual tightening. Yeah. It was basically Newcastle scored every two or three minutes. And in between that, Plymouth would get two scores or three scores. So the lead was just creeping out. And it was the type of, it was the type of scores, you know, this is a game whereby despite the fact that Newcastle generally had two of Defoe, Adonikin or Maxwell on the court at any one time, Plymouth beat them 58 to 34. points. Yeah, I've got that here as well. 58, 34 in the paint. And and that thinks, well, how how does that happen? You know, when Mm. you've got, it's because points in the paint aren't necessarily big guys. Points mm. in the paint is space, is layups from guards when there's no space to attack. It's stuff in transition when other teams turn the ball over and you get layups as well. So um, you, you, with that kind of stat, there's no, with that those lineups and that kind of stat, there is just no way that um, Newcastle can win that game in that situation. And, you know, Plymouth are the best defensive team in the league and they hold teams to 72 points. And they're the mm. best defensive team in the league, not just on the points conceded, but on the points per possession, considerably. Mm. They held teams, and they held Newcastle at 72 points. Mm. So it's nothing that we should be um, surprised about. You know, they are really good. They have length in every position. Their starting lineup, you know, you swap out Hamilton from neighbour, you actually get a little bit more scoring and spacing. Mm. A little bit less defense, a little bit more ball movement, a little bit less defense, but it's still not. And you lose neighbor from the second unit, which probably hurts the second unit, which we're talking mm. about. But they're still, you know, they have the best shot blocker in the league to come off the bench mm. at this point. And then you have, they have athletes like Ubiaro to come off the bench. And um, Marcel is long, and Hamilton is long, and neighbor is long. And the two guards, Porter Button and McGill, are in rhythm, and they are long and athletic. Mm. They're a tough team to score on. And so the, the moment that um, the game got to within 10 points, after outside 10 points, I thought it was done. Mm. Yeah, it and it didn't see Newcastle create enough offence without, um, without Gordon. Well, once it got to double figures, it never came back. Never got it and back it into did, single figures. And, you, and you, have, you get the impression watching games, whether it will or not. Yeah. Do you know that you see intensive as a run in a team? And there, there just didn't appear to be a run in Newcastle at all. They didn't seem to have a way of um, getting, creating more space on the court, of, of getting their shooters going, of getting people to the rim. Nothing came easy at all. And that's a credit to Plymouth. They're, they're 10 and 1 the last 11 games. Yeah. yeah they're really, yeah. they're bona fide good at this yeah. point of time. And um, teams cannot sleep on them at all. And, and Lawrence to come back too. Uh, they will again, be... you know, adding a player is harder than taking one away. Well, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I get that, but that changes your defense. It changes your, your, your physicality in your defense. You kind of, he's, Andrew Lawrence is probably a little bit more ball dominant than any of the guards they've got at the moment, so that kind of changes the way they play yeah. a little bit. Uh, it make them better in the long run, but it's always... He is good, though, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, oh, God, you make them better yeah, in the long yeah, run, but yeah, if, yeah. when you get to March, the, you haven't really got the long run. Yeah, yeah. You've got to be better straight away. You can't yeah. be, you, particularly if you're trying to win things, you've got to be, you know, you've got to be better in the next two or three games, not the next six or seven games, because you haven't got the six or seven games to play with. So a lot of it will depend on when he gets back. Yeah. You know. Right. Let's move on to the uh, the Sky Sports game. Worcester Wolves 84, Surrey Scorchers 77. And Anderson into the starting lineup uh, this time, which is no surprise given how he's played uh, in recent weeks. But it, it does leave them a little light in scoring uh, off the, off the bench, 
Um, yeah. and, and actually, Richards, I thought, was tremendous in the early stages. And, and Evan Walsh as well got the Scorchers off to a 10-2 start. Wolves hit 15 in a row and, and, and took the lead. But it was a fairly even first half, really. Yeah, it was. And, um, yeah, difficult not to start Anderson because he does mm. appear to be kind of a... When he's on the court, he's a, he's a central figure. You know, he, you know a, lot, a lot operates around him. And he draws a lot of attention. He has a lot of gravity on the court. So I understand why you would, you would start him. Um, because you, want, you probably want to start him moving forward. Um, Surrey are... Really, Surrey are... A, you know, it's like a chemistry experiment at the moment. Korean's <laughs> uh, got so many players, all of whom um, have the ability to play. Um, and what, what I mean by players, play, get minutes, mm. real minutes when it matters. But I've yet to see a coach who can successfully stagger six guards, mm-hmm. which is what he's got. I mean, it's tough. He's got, he got um, Cashaw, Hicks, Walsh, Hildreth, Raftopolis and Macklemore. Mm. That's six BBL caliber players. Mm. Um, and okay, maybe get three of them on the court at the same time, but then you then you maybe shift tail up to the four, maybe. But then you still got three big guys as well. You got Lacey yeah. James, you got Tildreth, you, Lacey James, you got um, Richards. Uh, Richards and yeah. um, Rickman as well. Rickman, yeah. Richards and Rickman never played together. So you know, no. how do you do that? So good luck to Creon on that. Like you said after the game, he said, um, I might have to have a look at my rotations. And mm. I don't I don't envy him because he's got mm. he's got he's not got he's got a lot of good players. Um but that can cause an issue with combinations because it's not mm. not as important as to how good the players are, it's just important how well they can play together. Yeah. So you've got to figure out who it is and whose turn it is on the basketball. And the team needs to develop a little bit of a hierarchy. So clearly, when Hicks is on the basket, Hicks is in the game. He's primarily going to be on the basketball, and then when he comes out, it's probably moving towards Hildreth. Yeah, looks like it, doesn't it? It's running that is running that second unit, and that's all good, provided those guys get used to it. But that's a work in progress. So yeah, so they started off by going um, to Ryan Richards, and the difference in Ryan Richards is just palpable. Mm. I mean, I'll be straight in December, having seen what I, you know. Having seen what he did last year in Plymouth, um, and a little bit in Surrey, I think, maybe. Um, you know, and having seen the way that he started in the BBL this year, I didn't see a future from I didn't see how it was mm. going to get better. Because mm. he just didn't seem to be at the pace of the game. And again, it just goes to show that when athletes start playing on a consistent basis in a consistent mm. environment, yeah. get their bodies right. It's all so much, it's so much about particularly the big guys. Um, so much about they're getting their bodies right, then the skills that they obviously have can come out. Yeah. It's not just Ryan Richards just popping the foul line and shooting a foul shot and shooting a, shooting a um, free throw line jumper. It's the way he's moving his feet when he's defending the mm. screen and roll. It's his um, mobility under the basket in relation to com- competing for rebounds because he's. we've all seen big guys in our league who can't get a rebound because they can't mm. move. Um, and you get out rebounded by smaller and more athletic guys, and that's not happening to him. So he is now becoming um, a guy that you literally have to game plan for mm. um, in this league. Now, now the problem is that he's still probably good for about twenty-five minutes a game. Yeah, and, and you do have to play a certain way. You do. 
Uh, and it. I think that's part of their problem as well, is because you talked about the sort of how do you get all the pieces to mesh together, but also depending on which pieces you've got on court, you play in a completely different way. Yeah, that's right, because um, their the, the bench lineup, um, you know, is nice with Hildreth at the point. Um, and um, Raftopoulos is kind of a, a, a shooter and maybe even Macklemore as well. Um, as kind of spot-up guys, you know, there's a lot of gravity. And because Hildreth is 6'4 and um, is a solid athletic defender and is playing, you know, like he doesn't really care about anything other than playing. He's not mm. any other things in his mind. He knows where he's going. He's not worried about a job next year. He's just, you know, he's, he's different yeah. to, to a lot of the other guys. He's just playing hard and enjoying himself. He's able to defend bigger guys. So the advantage of having a bigger, a bigger guy handling the basketball is you can have more mobile players around him. He can defend and rebound at the other end and you don't lose out. So you like that. But the question then comes when you met when you mesh Hildreth with Richards, which is what you'd like to do at the end. And Hildreth is looking to penetrate and get to the rim and create. Yeah. And Richards is looking to get the basketball where he where, where no one can stop him. Yeah. So there are little things that they have to worry about. But but overall they're they're a very competitive physical team. Now they didn't get it done in this game, I think primarily because of those issues that we've just raised in relation mm. to a little bit of cohesion in a little bit of composure at the end of the fourth quarter. And the team that was more together because there was less of them and they were more used to playing with each other, the fewer combinations. There's a hell of a lot fewer combinations in a six or seven man team than there is in a yeah. ten man. Um, so they, they let's, let's just, uh, so Hicks and James make a couple of threes, 10-0 run. Sorry, sorry, you're up 11 with a minute to go for, from halftime. Go into the halftime with the lead. There was something I noticed. We were on commercial break, uh, and I just noticed that um, um, the new guy's name's gone out of my head. Burns. Yeah, Burns. Burns, Elijah Burns, called everybody in, and he was like, everybody come in, come in, come in, come in to a huddle, and then he spoke to them. And I, I turned to Tuck and went, did you see that? Because you don't expect that from the guy who's only been here a week. And they came out in the second half, with a different energy, he made a couple of threes. He got, I think, he got a rebound as well, and and instantly back into the game. And I was quite impressed that the guy new into the team had the sort of uh, gravitas, and everybody listened to him. It wasn't like they were going, "Who's this guy?" And and actually, they got a response out of the team straight away from it. Yeah, I heard you say that on the um, on the commentary, and it kind of intrigued me because he doesn't come across like that. You know, we've all come across. Americans fresh to the league who are so hyped and so talkative mm. and so into everything that you immediately think this guy's going to wear out as well in about three mm. weeks. You know, we've seen them and um, who just aren't very good around. But he isn't a rah-rah guy, if I put it that way. He isn't mm. a guy who's just clapping his hands and shaking his head and going around, you know, chest bumping everybody and yeah. flying around the air. You don't see that. He seems to be a very considered, the way he plays, yeah. He's very considered, um, smart, shooting the shots he's meant to shoot, making the passes he's meant to make. So to have that kind of leadership gene as well, if it keeps coming out, that is going to be big for them. Yeah. It really is. So uh, once they'd made that 9-2 start, it was a pretty even game until about five minutes to go. And then uh, and then Worcester pulled away with, the, with a 10-0 with a run. 
Uh, and, and I think it's the third game in a row where they end up on the free throw line for about four or five free throws because there's been coach technicals and bench technicals. Yeah, they lost their discipline. Sorry, look, I mean, I heard what Creon said afterwards where he blamed the refs without blaming the refs. Mm. Um, but um, in reality, you know, the refs missed a call where Hildreth got swiped in the face. Mm. And um, the baseline ref should have spotted that, but I don't know where the baseline ref was, didn't see it. Um, that was one call. Um, then Cashel got a steal, but he was out of control. He went down the other end. He chucked up some rubbish off the glass, and that, that you know you're not getting a foul call for that with two minutes to go. I looked as it happened. I thought that's not a foul. Refs yeah. didn't call it. Um, I can imagine how it might have looked like a foul from the sorry bench. It's the wrong way away. And I've been there at Worcester where you're shouting for a foul in those situations. <laughs> but you know, uh, you know, on the TV, no. And then and the next play down, um, Hicks committed a dumb foul. Mm. It's not the first time. Let's be blunt. You know, mm. Hicks. With one second on the shot clock, Hildreth playing solid straight up D, making yeah. Anderson go around him, shoot a or Kimball, shoot a fadeaway jump shot on the buzzer, and Hicks clamps him on his elbow. Mm. You, know, you see it, you see it clear yeah. as day. Now, again, because of the position of the players, particularly um, Hildreth, I don't think the, the sorry bench could have seen that. Mm. You know, there was a they would have been blocked off by by Hildreth by the bodies because it was the wrong side of them. But at that point, the game's still on the line. It's two minutes mm. to go. It's not twenty five seconds to go. Yeah. And you can't give them two free points. Yeah, you, know, you can't do it, and they did. You know, there was two shots. There was frustration technicals with two minutes to go, and you know, firstly the coach, and then secondly someone on the bench as well. Yeah, that's what happens when you've got a long bench. You know, yeah. players. You know, you've got more chance of one of them saying something. And at that point, you know, they make those foul shots. As you say, it's like an eight or a nine point game. Nine points. Yeah. And it's two. You know, it's at that point. I think then Teo chucked up a bad three. They got down to maybe five and Teo or yeah. six. And Teo took it about three from the, the wing and, and the game was over. So, you know, they it happened, it's happening too often for them for it to be a coincidence. You know, they have yeah. to tighten up on their, their discipline at the end of games. And sometimes you get, you're going to get a bad call and, it, and it's a bit hypocritical because we all hate bad calls and we yeah. all rant about them afterwards and I've been there myself. But ultimately, you have to kind of take it on the chin and move on. Move on, yeah. I mean, it... it it remained a little bit interesting because having not missed any free throws in the game, sorry, then missed four in the last, uh, yeah, last minute was... or something. Worcester, sorry, missed uh, yeah. just, but it never looked like they, they were going to miss enough to, to, to. That was just for the cameras. Wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, Williams 20 and 12, another 20 for Anderson Richards, 10 of 14 for his, for his uh, 21 points. Hildreth 11, nobody else in double figures. And I suppose the upside of having, a lot of people who can score is, you know, they can all get seven, eight, nine, and that still adds up to a, to a big number. But the downside is you don't necessarily know where it's going to come from. It's a hierarchy. You know, yeah. the, the team needs to define hierarchy as to what rules people, people have. Now they're all bought in defensively, but sorry, which is good. You can see that um, they're all bought in physically. Um, they just, I, I think we'll need a little bit of time to, to develop that hierarchy. And, you know, 10 players to play 200 minutes is tough. Yeah, yeah. You know, because that means that's 20 minutes each. Yeah, so yeah. somebody's going to be playing 25, someone's going to be playing 15, someone's going to be playing 30, someone's going to be playing 10. Um, and finding out which guys are which um, yeah. is is the skill. So he's actually, because he's developed the young guys, Creon, because he's developed Walsh over the season, because he's picked up Hildreth, because Kalen's become the player that he has, it actually gives him more issues and more difficulties mm-hmm. In, in, in working out exactly what it is is the best but yeah. if they maintain their defensive intensity that can get you through because then you're not relying on the scoring 
So let's stay it. stay with Surrey, but move on to uh, Saturday. Uh, Surrey Scorches 81, Glasgow Rocks uh, 60. Not much in the first quarter in this game, but then um, Raftopoulos, Teo, uh, McLemore uh, had seven points. The other two had three pointers, sorry. A 17-2 run. It was 33-19, and we could have almost packed up there. And I, I was watching this game, and I got the sense that the more important game for Glasgow was Sunday. And by the way, the more important game for Glasgow was Sunday. Um, and that they played like a team that wanted to make sure they had everything they had could have in the tank for the next day. Uh, I think they played I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I'd say yes, but I would say I'm not sure much, how much more they have in the tank. No. You know, that's their problem. We'll get on to the Sunday game separately. Yeah, but yeah, When I say that, I'm not sure how, I think they may be playing to their level and that's a bit cruel, but mm. they looked a bit beaten down to me. Um, and again, I mean, there are some interesting things, for instance, you know, they, again, like they did at Plymouth, they started off and they were scoring the ball quite well early. Mm. And um, Delph picked up his two fouls in the first four and five minutes. Mm. And he sat down the whole half. Mm. He was done for then. And Jack Domney is struggling at the moment. I'm not sure if he's going through the, the rookie, whatever it is, but he's struggling. He was nowhere near as effective as Delph. Mm. Um, but this kind of two fouls and you're down meant mm. that Delph missed 38% of the game mm. in, the, in the, the first and the second quarter, which in which time the game went, as you say, from a zero-point game to a 15-point game. Well, that's the mm. game. Yeah. You know, that, that's the game, you know. So at some point, and this is the issue with, you know, again, guards, play, the player coach and the coach, they have to have a decision and say, look, it can't always be, if this guy's so important to us that he has to play, it can't, we, he's going to have to learn to play with two fouls yeah. in the first half. And it might not be the first, it might be the first quarter then and you come back and you try and get three or four or five minutes out of him, then you sit him down again. So you don't, there's, a, there's ways of balancing it. But just kind of just just taking out your 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 most effective scoring guy, and then wondering why we can't score, mm. and they couldn't score without without him, and they made some threes, um, but that was it. You know, if you look yeah. at how many possessions they scored, or, <laughs> it wasn't many. Over that time, it, it was tough, and that is, you know, they've got. Let's be fair. I mean, they've got. Uh, you know, uh, Christian Keating is very talented, but he's a rookie, his first time mm. out, and now he's getting everybody's attention because they're looking at everybody else. Um, and Pondo's really struggling. Brandon has given them some energy, but nothing much in the half court. He's given them some rebound energy, so give them something, but nothing which you think is making everybody else better. He's working hard for his team. He's making plays, but it's his energy which is, in theory, should be lifting people. And Quady, who is one of their main scorers, wasn't playing. Is mm. unhealthy. Um, Van Unhealth is injured, not unhealthy. Mm. He might he may eat good mm. things. Um, Van Sowers struggling a little bit. So that leaves, you know, Gareth, and then you hope that Fraser Malcolm might make some. Um, and that they didn't get enough high percentage shots. And even if they did get them, they weren't finishing them. And that meant that even what I was saying about Surrey's defense, even when Glasgow um, were able to hold Surrey down, which they were for a period of time, eventually the dam breaks. Yeah. Because you, they just can't score, and that's why the games are you know, if you score 70, you have to expect to beat Glasgow at this point in time. Yeah, if you get 70, you're going to win. Um, yeah. if the Glasgow can keep it in the 60s because they are dogged, 
they are cussed. They well, they, they were in this game to a certain degree, and um, they do run their sets. So they're not going to give you the. In theory, they're not going to give you the basketball for nothing. They're not going to just come down and jack up rubbish shots, mm. um, which you know kind of helps keep the game close, reduces possessions, etc. Um, but they're just not. They just don't have enough offense, enough guys who can. You can give him the basketball and say they can put the ball in the basket. Yeah. And the one of the guys they do have is Delft, and he didn't play. Yeah, you know, so it's tough. Well, Keeling uh, top scored with 14 points. He was the only player in double figures and top scored in the game, by the way. And what we talked about with Surrey in the previous thing was Richards 13, four other guys on 12. Again, good distribution. That you, yeah. that you can top score with 13 and score 81 shows you you've got a lot of different. Oh yeah, got a lot of depth, and also it's you know it's always easier for the coach to to get to find those 20 minutes for every every yeah. player when you're yeah, by yeah. 20. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, I've been there. You know the you know it's, it's a comfortable position to be in as a coach yeah. because you can you can you can try things out. You can, you know you because you know because Creon has the advantage that he know at this now he didn't have it earlier on in the season, but he has the advantage now that he knows. His guys are coming, who's come off the bench are coming in with energy. Yeah, you know, Rickman is coming in with energy. Um, Tao's coming off the bench, you know, yeah. so he's giving them a bit of um solidity, but he's, all, he's always been an energetic player. Hildreth yeah. is a bundle of energy. Raftopolis yeah. is a is a a little gnat, he just he, he's, a, he's around you, you know, he's yeah. full of it. And so, um, because he's getting that energetic um kind of boost off the bench. If they aren't scoring, provided they're playing defense and getting where they need to go, um, you know the coach is happy. You know mm. your bench isn't going to lose games for you, which is the important thing. So uh, let's take it to today. Uh, London Lions ninety, Glasgow Rocks sixty-six. That's the trophy semi-final first leg. Rocks hit a few three, a few three pointers early on. They were only down four at eighteen to 14 and then Liggins, Dangakoda, where just turned it up a little bit. I never thought London really got out of second or third gear if in truth over the whole game, but they turned it up a little bit at that point. They get up 37, 18 midway through the second quarter. And it was, again, we've talked about rocks do not have the offense to, to keep up once, once you're away, you're away. They're not going to put reel you back in like that. Rarely, only with a lot of stops. And um, Delft played 40 minutes in this game just to make the point from the last game. Yeah. You know, so it's important enough to play 40 minutes in this game. Um, London, yeah, I think you're, you're, you're kind. I think second or third year is kind. Um, they, um, Justin came ready to play, made a couple of shots early because he's been in semi finals before, first legs. The rest of the guys, Liggins kind of warmed into it. Um, but the rest of them looked like it was a first leg and it looked like it was a first leg that they knew they had no realistic shot at losing. Mm. Um, and the reason I say that is it wasn't that they didn't play hard because they did, but you could see it almost palpable when they extended their defence. If they did not want the Rocks to get the ball over um, half court or to catch the ball within you know 35 feet of the basket, London could have managed that. At any time in the game, they could have stepped in there. And there was a time in the third quarter where I think literally Glasgow threw them the ball three consecutive occasions. Um, Pondo, I think, and maybe Van Sowers, and they got layups off it. So that third, that, that next gear was always there for London to go to. Um, but the other thing is, you know, their shooters, 
didn't make shots, which tells me that they weren't really locked in to, to, to the game, you know, because because Glasgow, much to Nigel Lloyd's um, surprise, and, and I have to say somewhat consternation at times, and, you know, <laughs> and seemed to decide that, you know, that the best way to defend the best three-point shooting team in the league <laughs> with a man-to-man defence which didn't take away the three-point shot. Yeah. And um, London got a 46 threes in this game. Yeah. They shot 15 of 46, and I would guess... 30 of them were open, mm. more than open. In fact, virtually every single one of them was open. It's all mm. shooters who are shooting them. And, you know, I did my little my little sums again on this game because I was interested when I saw the, the spread of shots. Um, there's a Twitter account called Expected Goals on football. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It tells you what they, what they expect, given the, the attacking positions each team got into, what the expected goals should have been in terms of what mm. scores. It's quite interesting for me. And... Um, Expected points in this game. London had made all their shots in this game. London scored 213 points. Mm-hmm. Glasgow had made all their shots in this game. Glasgow scored 161 points. <laughs> so there's a 52-point yeah. potential difference just on shots at the basket. Yeah. Now, against that, to lose by only 24 is pretty good going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And because... Um, the reason and actually, for that, it was only that Dirk made a few down the stretch that it got to 24. Yeah. And, and the crazy thing is, and what frustrated me with Glasgow, because it wasn't, I know o- o- offensively they are what they are, and the guys are trying, they're doing their best, and Garrett's running his sets, and they do play some nice basketball at times, but they're just a little bit um, challenged in relation to shot creation and ability to finish. Fine. And Quaidy's not there as well, and he's a pick-and-pop guy, which does not which does hurt them. A little bit like Gordon hurts Newcastle not being there. But, you know, I get all of that. What I can't get is that they got plenty of players. They're standing there letting DeAndre Ligon shoot threes like he is in a warm-up line. Mm-hmm. Just okay, if that's your game plan and you hope you're going to miss, that's fine. You can do that. You get away with that. What you can't do is then give up 20 offensive rebounds mm-hmm. as well. Because if your game plan is they're going to shoot 56, sorry, 46 threes and 34 twos, which is what they shot. Mm-hmm. 46 threes. Um, you better rebound those. 31 of them missed. You better rebound them. And then you've got a shot because you can go down the other end, you can slow the game down, you can try and get a good shot, you can maybe London get a little bit antsy, get taken out of their rhythm, etc. But the amount of second shots London got as well, you know, you can't be giving up open shots and second shots. I mean, they could have lost that game by 50. Let's be blunt. Yeah. Um, and I don't say that with any pleasure um, because I know it's tough and I know that, as I say, that you know they're missing one of their main pieces and they are struggling to score. Mm. Um, in the half court in particular and they are athletically mismatched all over the court against London like virtually every team in the league is um, but they have to rebound you know there's, mm. you can still rebound you can still go up and be scrappy if they're going to miss that many, if they're going to miss if you told me before the game that London were going to miss 31 threes you would think Glasgow have a shot at being close mm. and they didn't no so that's something they've got, they've got to take away, you know. There's no reason for them not, in a semi-final, there's no, you know, if you're not great, be scrappy. Mm. Be, be scrappy. And the only guy who was scrappy was Bunyan. Bunyan is, Bunyan is, is the ultimate gamer because he had a, a disadvantage against everybody on the court athletically. I still don't think he's particularly healthy. But he knocked down shots, he got in the way, he took charges, he does all the little things. And they are so much better with him and Gareth on the court. And the younger guys need to look at themselves and think, well, we are athletically better than those guys. Um, why aren't we playing? And there's a reason they're not playing, because they're not doing what they need to do. Mm. 
Well, there's only five teams have ever come back from double figures down. Nobody anywhere near as many as uh, 24. So the Lions virtually... Hey? We gave up 24 once, but we won in overtime. Not in, um, not at the end of the game. You might have been 24 points down before. I think that was the, you were down 24 to go with about five minutes to go in or six minutes to go in the well, first leg. Worcester, wasn't it? Oh, wait, oh, yes. Sorry. And oh, yes, yes. But actually won. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You did give it all back. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. You're right. Yes. We needed every single one of those 24. Yeah, you did. Okay, yeah. Given what happened the following week when Leicester destroyed us in the final, we probably didn't actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, yes, well, we'll we'll be surprised if London don't make it to the final. Let's yeah. put it that way. Uh, let's move on to Manchester. Manchester Giants, 76, Newcastle Eagles, uh, 101. Obviously, they uh, made a coaching uh, change, well, uh, departure this week. Uh, Pluto Vorliotis in uh, temporary charge uh, for this game for Manchester. Uh, Maxwell with nine early points. Eagles get out uh, pretty early to a, a double-figure lead and uh, probably should have led a bit more at halftime. I mean, Cassell makes a Cassell shot on the buzzer so that it's it's only eight. But, you know, Newcastle doing what you have to do against Manchester, just keep scoring. Yeah, basically. I, I'm a little bit surprised they changed the coach in in March. Um, you know, when the, when the senior signing deadline's finished and you're just about to see a new seven foot hours coming in um, and at this point in time you kind of are what you are as a team mm. so I'm not sure what a new coach can accomplish that the old one can't but that's a matter for the organisation um, they yeah the, the game itself was the Fletcher and Edwards show firstly yeah, the was, Edwards yeah. show in the first half and it was the Fletcher show in the second half and if there was numbers for combined triple doubles I think they would probably be leading the league in them yeah. <laughs> um, because I think Edwards, I think Edwards was close on assists and Fletcher was close on rebounds. Fletcher um, was 23.7 rebounds, 10 assists. Edwards, 20 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists and 5 steals. 5 steals. And, um, you know, and Edwards, it ran almost all of those back for layups as well. Yeah, you know, and they're the kind of the things that kind of break your back. And you just didn't see... Manchester was just a question of too many moving parts. Mm. And Jason Swain had it right on the commentary. They made, they've got shot makers. But eventually those shots get difficult. So Sam Cassell came out and made some tough shots early. And um, for Newcastle, you kind of went back and forward and scored a little bit. Um, Newcastle's, again, lost kind of the end of the first quarter and the end of the second quarter, which is becoming a habit for them. So they're going to have to look at their lineups at the end of the quarters. Um, but, um, you know, for, for, for Eagles, um, Fluger and Sayers gave them some really good minutes. And mm. when those two gave them really good minutes at the wing spot, and give them production at the wing spot. And that's when they go from scoring 80 a game to scoring 100 a game. Mm. Um, Maxwell, yeah, up and down, scores a bit, scores early, tends to struggle a little bit in the second half. Um, physically, 6-10 might be feeling the, the course of the season. Um, but Manchester, just, you know, just too many moving parts. You know, you didn't see Johnson much. You didn't see um, Ulf as much. They all make plays, but you never got the impression that there was a particular plan behind the play, and you never got the idea that they could string together three or four consecutive stops. Sometimes Newcastle miss, yeah. but missing is not the same as um, getting a stop. Yeah. Um, and at the end, yeah, I think 
Jason said it on the commentary. You know, Fletcher was toying with him a little bit. He was a bit. Yeah. You know, and and, and the other thing was that also Newcastle did get those runouts as well. Yeah. We talked about we talked about Edwards. What was points, points off turnovers in that game? Have you got it there? I haven't got their points off turnovers, but I did want to touch on the, uh, I think it was 17 off the top of my head. Um, but uh, the, um, I did want to talk about points in the paint, 62 points in the paint for the Newcastle Eagles. And as you say, that's not necessarily the big guys. That's, that's the guards as well getting to the basket. Yeah, absolutely. Particularly, Ed, I think Edwards made a three in the game. So, mm. um, so the vast majority of Edwards' points are in the paint, mm. you know, and, and you know, probably half of Fletcher's. So, that's a good start. Um, and you just, they've got some good sign. I mean, Jerome Poor can clearly play. Mm. Um, they're going to have to find a way of um, playing or yeah, playing through him. I think he's a guy you have to play through. Looking at him, he looks to have the size and the ability to both make shots and make passes. But they're not a structured team which is set up for that at the moment. Mm. You know, Cassell really is a, not really a screen and roll guard. So, He's more of a, he is still more of a two guard than a, than a, than a point guard um, or a score, a combo guard. And it's interesting because I, 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 I've covered him uh, uh, playing for a round in, in, in a number of tournaments. And to me, he's, he's a well suited European center yes. in that sort of pick and roll, good passer of the ball, uh, got some moves in the low post and whatever. Those don't always translate into the, into the BBL. So it's almost like they will have to switch something to get yeah. the best out of him, in my view. And whether whether that sits with Cassell and Satchel on either side, shooting step-back threes, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, that's right. Because, you know, the, the biggest thing for a, a good pick-and-roll big man, which is what he may well be, is a good pick-and-roll point guard mm. or a good pick-and-roll guard. Mm. And neither... Cassell and Whelan are particularly strong pick and roll guards. Whelan's a penetrating scoring guard, mm-hmm. and um, Cassell is a is a pam the ball and, and shoot the ball guard. You know, um, neither of them. They both can run screen and roll, but probably Cassell more than Whelan. I think Whelan had a game last week where he had 30, 30 points and no twenty nine shots and no assists. You know, so like you know the old mastermind joke. Um, so they, you know that's not the, that's not necessarily the type of guy that fits well with Gerard. It fits quite well with Ulf because Ulf's just going to go and get it. Yeah, yeah he'll get the misses for you. You know, and Ulf's putting his body on the line. It's harder for it's easier for a six eight guy than it is yeah. for a seven foot guy who is skilled yeah. to do that because the seven foot guy who is skilled is thinking I can give the, give me the ball and we'll make, make plays off me and we'll run it through that way. Yeah. So that will be a test for um, Pluto, the, the new coach, to see. Um, how quickly he can assimilate those guys. But what we saw today was um, basically kind of a sidelining side of um, Uandier and Hudson didn't really play much. No. Um, no, has just had a baby this week. Yeah, so that yeah, might, I that yeah, might have played into it. a little bit of credit yeah, for that. Yeah. Um, his wife had a baby. Yeah, well, yeah. Give him some credit too. Um, so he's got He's, you know, every game's a must-win for Manchester if their, their aim is to make the playoffs. Mm. At the moment, they're in. They're yeah. not quite in a spiral, but they're in a spin, yeah. which is the next step up from a spiral. Yeah. Spiral that that game could precipitate a spiral because they've yeah. lost by twenty-five, and uh, lost by twenty-five at home, and against a team that hadn't really been playing very well. 
Mm. Um, and they gave up 101 against a team who'd been struggling to score at times. Yeah. And even then, it wasn't like a game plan because they had Marshall Johnson on Fletcher for some of the game. Yeah, that was that was a plan to try, you yeah. know, to try yeah, yeah. and impact him, but that just let Edwards just go go haywire. Yeah, you know, and, and couldn't control Edwards, and they gave Flugan up down some shots, and then they're in trouble. Yep, let's uh, go on to the final game: Cheshire Phoenix seventy-five, uh, Sheffield Sharks um, sixty-nine. Uh, no Farrah Gordon in this game, so McCall into the uh, into the starting lineup. Cheshire's bigs got going early; they got up. Uh, uh, 12 and we've we've kind of touched on Sheffield uh, already and their struggles and actually the way they got back in this game was Cheshire not scoring for five minutes or they got two free throws in the last five minutes of the first half to cut it to five at half time yeah yeah absolutely they um it was a funny it was a funny game insofar as it was it was quite a methodical game mm. um Teams were getting their shots, but they weren't necessarily knocking their shots down the whole time. Um, Lowell actually is playing, is, is really impressing me for Cheshire. Um, the way that he's able to, to um, score the ball efficiently. He had 17 points on seven shots tonight. Mm. Um, and he's not taking away from the other guys. Occasionally, you know, he'll post up and he'll finish. He'll be on the weak side in the dunker spot, and he'll get a pass, and he'll dunk it, or he'll spot, up, or he'll he'll pick and pop for the three, and he'll finish. And he just looks like a big guy that the the the, the guards trust. Um, and then when he comes off, have a break, kind of have the more manic energy of Matthew Brian Ammoning, who comes on, who kind of takes a little bit of pressure off the guards by getting the ball in the post and and causing a little bit of you know mayhem. With with the, with the defense with the other team, and then at times Ben plays them both together, which means that Atiba then has to go and play Marsden and Coke at the same time, which then takes away from the way that Sheffield have been playing with their spacing. Mm. Um, so I think Lowe's Lowe's really been a, a kind of unf- a slightly forgotten part of the way that um, Cheshire have uh, have come on. Um, in relation to to Sheffield, Kipper Nichols. You know, is their start, is their stretch four. He is such an important part of what they do. I believe he's a rookie and he's, he's inconsistent. And today it was inconsistent. He had two points in 23 minutes. If he plays well, if he's knocking down shots, they become a, absolutely um, a far more difficult to guard team. You know, um, he's the one, he's, he's Justin Gordon. He's the one guy on that Sheffield team who can do that. Mm. Both at the rim, he can defend under size, he can score at the rim, he can score from three. Um, he's different to Rob Mars, he's different to Mike Tuck. Um, and when he's not on, that means Sheffield generally struggle to score. And then the, the shooters have to shoot, and Lillard's become aggressive, playing hard, probably because he knew he won't be playing the next game. Um, Hemsley is the guy who nearly brought them back at the end. Yeah. So um, Cheshire, got, Cheshire got 16 in front. They had a 12-4 start to the second half. Got out to a 16-point lead. And then, as you say, Hemsley made some shots. And it, it really didn't look like Sheffield were going to get back into it until that until that point. He, he made a couple of good plays, some nice shots, uh, cut it back down to three with a minute to go. And then NBA at the other end, two strong and one, goes back to six. And, and, and that, that was... 
that was pretty much that. Yeah, he's a really, I mean, you know, Matthew, Matthew Brian Abening is a really interesting player, you know, because he, he, he gives you so much and he can also take away stuff. Mm. Uh, but he has the personality to want to make plays. Mm. And you never, ever want to discount that. You know, it's the time to think, what are you doing? Why are you making that move? Why are you trying to throw it around your back? Or why are you going mm. up against that double team? But he has this kind of belief in himself that when it matters, you know, okay, give me the ball. Mm. You know, I, I'll make a play. Um, I'm, I'm going to do something. And those players, they, 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 they gray your hair as a coach. You know, and um, if, if Trey Moore is listening in Houston, Texas, I will Trey. Yeah, it's your fault. Um, <laughs> but there are guys that can help you win and can you know make players when it matters. So as a coach, it's always, do I want him on the floor? Or do I not want him on the floor at that mm. time? And I think he was minus 10 in this game, Matthew mm. Bryan. I mean, but when it comes to making, you know, giving, finding a place on the court where you have a physical advantage to score the ball when you need a basket, when Sheffield are coming back, it's a one-position mm. game, he's, you throw it to him. Why? Mm. Because he wants, because he has that physical advantage. He has that touch around the basket. He has that ability to make that play. In that play, in a you know six-point game with forty seconds to go, in a um, 72-65 game, is a massive is a massive difference. Yeah, yeah. And, and then Ben Thomas took the time out and didn't advance the ball. Hey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good win uh, for Cheshire. Good weekend uh, for the Knicks, and it's really bunching up in the in the middle of the uh, table. There are now uh, four teams on nine losses. The Raiders on on eight. Just a little bit of a gap to the teams outside the playoff places. So if Surrey or Manchester in particular want to make that run, they've got to make that run soon. Yeah, it's a question of who's, you know, who's up at this time of the season, who's upwardly mobile. Mm. Um, and you think Surrey might be, you don't see Manchester. Manchester have lost 10 of the last 11 or something like that. Mm. So you don't see them just flicking a switch and getting better because who are you going to beat? You know, <laughs> all these other teams are playing well. Mm. You know, who are you going to beat? Um, sorry, you can see um, winning some of those games, but they have dug themselves a little bit of a hole. They mm. probably need another eight wins, nine wins, and that's not going to be easy. Um, the interesting thing with the teams kind of ganging up in the middle um, is that they, fluctu- they are fluctuating, but particularly in relation to Worcester and Plymouth, um, you know, there's a, a real prospect that, they, that these teams are good. Mm. Not just kind of win one, lose one, win a couple, drop a game, mm. but seriously good. Plymouth have proven that already, that they are good. And they've got a coach who's been there, absolutely been there and yeah. knows knows the league, knows the game, you know, knows everything inside out. Um, so there, it is not beyond the bounds of possibility that they keep winning and other teams keep losing because the teams are going to beat each other. Um, so I don't rule them out the top three at all. Um, they've now Sheffield you would have said that two weeks ago but Sheffield suddenly have hit that kind of rut whereby actually um, the guys who were knocking shots down for fun two weeks ago aren't doing it now so yeah. Jordan Retino's not scoring Nick Lewis isn't making shots Kipper Nichols is missing in action that type of thing and suddenly you realise how um, unstable and just how fragile it all is the ecosystem of the basketball team is so <laughs> yeah, fragile yeah, yeah, yeah. you know Um so you might have put them in that category of maybe going for the top three. And now you're looking at them, are they going to be in the top seven? Mm. Or because of a couple of wins. And 
this may be the catalyst for another five-game winning streak for them. Yeah. Um, but Worcester and Plymouth um, are on an upward trajectory. Plymouth may have peaked. They may have got to the top point of that trajectory because the way that things are in the BBL, you always think teams are going to win forever when they're on winning streaks and they never yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. always interesting to try and work out where the peak is. And sometimes you have to have a little dip and then you go again for the end of the season. Yeah. Um, Leicester, I don't think they're having a dip. I think they're just working things no. through. I think because yeah. you lose two games on the last shot, it doesn't count as a dip. It no. counts as a whatever. Um, but they'll probably use it as a dip. To, yeah. to, to bring you know to, to, to kind of concentrate the mind um, well, London they also play Newcastle and London uh, in in quick succession I think it's next Friday yeah, well, and the that, Friday after or something much, was, those, those games were very much concentrated yeah. in mind London who knows tough for them because they've got the trophy two games against Surrey then potentially a final as well yeah. so that's going to be a lot of focus and the one thing they've demonstrated is that you know, that the focus isn't always there in every game. Hmm. So how many games are they going to continue to drop against teams that they shouldn't? They've got two games against Leicester. If they win them, they should win the league. It's yeah. blunt. Um, yeah. But you don't know. Um, I think Bristol, even one of them. Bristol haven't played, so we don't know. They, they, they seem to be on an upward trajectory as well. But they've just had, you know, COVID postponements. So, I mean... Um, so, so who, who knows if that will set them back a little bit and um, we'll find out a lot about Newcastle next week against Leicester Yeah, I, I, I anticipate Gordon will be back for them the way he was walking around the court today um, okay. in the warm-ups and that um, and you know, for Newcastle next week it is very much if they want to win the league they have to win that game if they don't yep. win that game they're, they're, they're competing for third basically mm. Um so that becomes because that's a head-to-head game as well, I think. Yeah. Um, or, or it's head-to-head game for Newcastle. The, yeah. One. yeah. So yeah, so it's all really interesting um, to see which direction some of these teams go in. Um, hopefully, um, we'll have a few more interesting games. I'm sure we will. And uh, we will leave it there for, for this week. And we will be back with you next Sunday night to break it all down again. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.